1: Tonight, worse than we thought He took all of the evidence He was on camera with the bloody clothes in the bag How an illegal immigrant stalked and murdered Lakin Riley Our hearts will always ache without Lakin Who was such an integral part of our sisterhood The system worked and Lincoln died. America's broken immigration laws led a Venezuelan man straight to a young woman out for a run. How Bill Clinton's position on immigration suddenly became unacceptable to the left.
2: Our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more. Beached closed.
1: <laughs> Miami tells spring breakers to take the party somewhere else. How do you end a decades-old tradition? Blinded by wokeness, the FBI warns about organized retail theft using this picture right here. Not this video of organized retail theft. Not this video or this video. How can the FBI solve crimes if they won't show criminals? Welcome to The Ferris Show on television. First tonight, absolutely horrific. And there is no other way, sadly enough, to describe the new details we're getting tonight about Lake and Riley's final moments. An illegal immigrant allegedly killed the 22-year-old nursing student as she jogged near the University of Georgia campus. We're still waiting for the results of a rape kit. Neighbors of the suspect, Jose Aberia, say he stalked her on a near-daily basis watching her as she ran by his apartment day after day. We just received the affidavit that lays out the evidence against Iberia, an illegal immigrant from Venezuela. We want to warn you, it is hard to comprehend what he did to this young woman, what he allegedly did, I should say, to this young woman. The documents say Iberia disfigured Riley's body and skull with a heavy object. He's also accused of trying to stop her from calling 911 during the struggle which means the struggle went on for a while. Afterwards, the documents say he tried to hide her death by dragging her body to a secluded area. What happened next is even more disturbing, and we're told it's all on videotape. George Will is here on Ho Riley's case is or is not changing the immigration debate in America. But we begin with News Nation's Alex Capriello, who's got new details from Abaria's neighbors and joins us live from the apartment complex where he lived. Alex, good evening.
3: Hey, good evening, Leland. Yeah, the apartment complex is right here behind me, but you'll see I'm standing on the trail. This is where Lake and Riley went on our daily run, uh, connecting this to the University of Georgia and a beautiful lake system, a popular trail. But to what you alluded to, I spent my afternoon speaking to his neighbors. He uh, lived here with about four or five others, I'm told, for the past five months. Uh, Rather disturbing details about his life here, about the fact that these neighbors would just see him daily outside, sitting outside that studio apartment, watching people go by. And that includes, in their opinion, Lake and Riley, who went on daily runs, cutting through the apartment complex to get to this trail but what i really learned was more information about after the murder occurred they say that they have video evidence of him taking bloody clothes and other evidence and dumping it in a dumpster right here behind me take a look This is the apartment complex where Jose Ibarra lived and they shared new details that we had never actually heard before. These neighbors tell me that they actually have security camera footage from their own ring doorbell cameras that shows Jose Ibarra with bloody clothes and other evidence, taking them to these dumpsters and then ditching all the evidence. These people tell me that they handed over all of that footage to the police to be used as evidence. As for Lake and Riley, these neighbors tell me that they often saw her running through this apartment complex, using it as a shortcut to get to this trail, and that as for Jose Ibarra, he was somewhat of a quiet loner who sat outside of his studio apartment, which he shared with four other people at all hours of the day, just watching the world go by. For that reason, these neighbors believe that Ibarra watched her run, knew her route, knew her path, and made his move. Yeah, and I'll tell you, each of the neighbors I spoke to are really nervous and scared about this whole situation. Obviously, a lot of the students here at the University of Georgia are as well. I'm still seeing a lot of people running on campus, and so that's a good sign that people are still resilient. But at the same time, there are several memorials here for Lake and Riley. She was a beloved part of this community. As for this apartment complex, I really wanted to dig in. How are four to five different people that I'm told are undocumented immigrants living in a single studio apartment with one bathroom? The apartment complex isn't answering any of my questions. Questions right now.
1: All right, Alex, keep on it. Great reporting on an incredibly difficult and sad story. Thank you. And we zoom out now. All over, we hear Lakin Riley's death was a failure of the system. He slipped through the cracks. That's simply not true. The system worked as designed. Aberra was able to cross the border illegally. He was released by Border Patrol. He made his way to New York and allegedly committed a crime there, only to be released. system kept working exactly the way both President Biden at the federal level, Kathy Hochul at the state level, and at the New York City level wants it to work. He left one sanctuary city, New York City, for another, and committed crimes allegedly in Athens, Georgia. But time and time again, the system worked. He ended up back on the streets, and he's not... The only one. In Virginia, another illegal immigrant from Venezuela allegedly sexually assaulted a minor in Washington, D.C. Our sources at ICE tell us the man accused of shooting three D.C. police officers is an illegal immigrant from Jamaica. He was previously deported for crimes he committed. A decade ago, he was deported. He made his way back. In Inglewood, Florida, police arrested an illegal immigrant just yesterday for sexual battery. And in Massachusetts, another illegal immigrant is facing charges for rape because he allegedly raped a child in Delaware and had snuck back into the country. George Wills here, News Nation senior political contributor. Look, it's important to point out, not all immigrants are criminals, and on and on and on. But at the Indeed, same-
4: Indeed, they have a very good record. They do, right. To the native population.
1: Right, No, they, they, they do, and at the same time, we see this situation where you have people coming from Venezuela, one of those violent countries on Earth, and being allowed to then just uh, come into the United States. Look, the video of the four cops being beaten up by immigrants in New York City, This case, now the additional cases we just pointed out, we always hear the debate is changing about immigration. Is it?
4: Yes, graphic journalism is changing it, just as the police dogs in Birmingham in 1963 changed that debate. And when you can put a face on a problem, like the face of Ms. Riley, just as the face of Emmett Till when the Chicago boy, when he was murdered in 1955 in Mississippi,
1: changed forever the civil rights debate. We've seen this happen before, right? There have been other young women in particular who were murdered by illegal immigrants. And that was going to be an inflection point, And it turned out not to be. Maybe this will be. I think it's interesting to look at where Democrats are on this. Uh, this is Katie Porter, congresswoman running for Senate in California last night on CNN.
5: Whenever we're dealing um, with violent crime, there is a sense of outrage, of sadness, and of loss. But I think the important thing to focus on is any one instance shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy.
1: How is what is effectively, and I think reasonable people can agree, effectively we have an open border. How has an open border become a sacred cow for the left?
4: (laughs) Well, because... uh, They have a real problem, because here are people dying to get into our country that they describe as a racist hellhole of a country. So they have an an immediate problem. Second, they don't like enforcement. They don't like enforcement of laws. And they don't like the idea that that we should, in some way, privilege the people who are already here. Leland, this is our third national episode on immigration. In the 19th century, it was tinged with religious bigotry because so many, after the potato famine in Ireland came here, they were Catholics. In the early 1920s, in the 20th century, there was nativism. There were southern Europeans and eastern Europeans, and people thought that was going to change our Anglo-Saxon nature. This is different. This is, Americans, I don't think, are against immigrants. They're against disorder. They're against the fact that an essential attribute of national sovereignty, control of the border, is missing.
1: Yeah, I think about it. Look, my grandmother came through Ellis Island. I think about my my grand my great grandparents who came through as well. I, I don't hear anyone talking about closing the door. What I talk hear about is order. And now that. Illegal immigration has been matched with lawlessness, which we are seeing explode. Suddenly, this is a discussion not about, about immigration. It's a discussion about crime. Bill Clinton talked about this all the way back in 1995. And I think it's interesting, especially when you really listen to his words. All Americans
2: not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country.
1: We must do more to stop it. Democratic president, bipartisan applause, illegal aliens. You, Some Republicans feel uncomfortable saying that term.
4: I know that, but you, Katie Porter was very interesting just then because she knows this is deadly for her and deadly for people of of her persuasion. The simple truth is most Americans like immigrants, they can't stand disorder. Everything that's happening in America now just tells Americans disorder. Inflation tells them the currency isn't orderly, isn't stable. When people
1: get this way, they get radicalized about everything. All right, so there is change happening. We pointed out that a came through New York City. Also, that was the site of the beating of the four police officers on tape. And I think you make a good point that what we are seeing exemplifies way more than just a problem with immigration. It's a problem with defund the police. It's a problem with no bail. It's a problem with lawlessness, on and on and on. Here is Eric Adams talking about now updating New York's sanctuary city policy. We
0: should not be allowing people who are repeated committing crimes uh, to remain here, and we cannot collaborate uh, with, uh, with ICE in the process.
1: All right, we should be able to collaborate. He says 80% of Americans now say that immigration is at least somewhat of a serious issue. Are Republicans, and this would be the, the last point, are Republicans going to be able to not screw this up between now and November? <laughs> well,
4: they never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity, as has been said. Look, there are two systems here, and this is just what you said at the beginning of this segment. There's the immigration system, and then you get past the border, and then you're up against lenient prosecutors. And the sense that is quickly communicated to bad actors among the illegal immigrants. That the system doesn't work and they have impunity
1: when they break the law. All right, let's put a let's put a bow on this as to where does this go politically in terms of Democrats in swing states. I'm thinking about Georgia. I'm thinking uh, about Michigan that's going to have a big issue here. I'm thinking about Pennsylvania.
4: This plays right into Donald Trump's wheelhouse. A, because he's been saying it since he came down the escalator and started talking about rapists from Mexico, but also because he's talking about blue-collar American communities.
1: He didn't fix it, though. And I said this <clears throat> to Bill O'Reilly last night, who was going on about how it's Joe Biden's fault, it's Joe Biden's fault. said, so Donald Trump had the House, he had the Senate, and he had the White House in 2017, and uh, didn't do that
4: much. Donald Trump isn't into fixing things, he's into exploiting things. And he's really good at that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the fact is, he has said over and over again that this is his issue. Didn't build the wall. No one holds it against him because his people
1: want him to say the right things more than they want him to do the right things. All right. George, it's good Good to see you as always, sir. Thank you very much. Coming up next. And this kind of plays into what we are just now talking about. A picture worth literally a thousand words. The FBI chose this stock photo. The FBI of white sorority girls. And they use this photo to warn about organized crime in America. What happens when the FBI goes woke? And Monica Lewinsky, the Reformation, the new workwear line from the woman who once, well, worked worked at the White House. 30 years later, does Monica finally, finally get justice?
5: If I would have kept making only the minimum payments on my credit cards, my debt would have taken me
6: 47 years to pay off. These are real National Debt Relief customers. I knew I
5: wasn't going to be able to get out of debt by myself.
6: Credit card, medical, or personal loan debt? National Debt Relief negotiates with your creditors to reduce what you owe.
2: National Debt Relief got me out of debt.
6: You could be debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months. Visit NationalDebtRelief.com to learn more and get started. NationalDebtRelief.com.
4: The rate of new HIV infections in African Americans is eight times higher than whites. I am Dr. Griffin Rogers, Director of the National Institute of Diabetes, Digestive and Kidney Diseases at NIH. HIV poses a major threat to the African American community. Dr. Anthony Fauci, former Director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases at NIH,
2: explains. There are many reasons why HIV rates are high in the African American community. Misinformation, a person's inability to get testing and medical care, and the fear and shame around HIV-AIDS are just a few. If you don't know you have HIV, you can't get the care you need. Getting tested to learn if you have HIV is important to prevent the spread of infection. Testing is simple, fast, and confidential. Visit AIDS.gov to find a testing location near you and information on home test kits.
0: Follow us at
7: NIDDK.gov. This is Dr. Griffin Rogers.
8: Last week's AT&T outage lasted less than 24 hours, but customers were upset just the same. Many are asking if they can be credited for the downtime. Experts say it's not unheard of for service providers to grant credits for outages. In fact, AT&T has said it will give affected customers a $5 credit. A scam that specifically targets Xfinity cable customers has now morphed into a scheme targeting Spectrum customers. The two scams are nearly identical. They promise a 50% discount if you pay part of the bill up front with gift cards. It's not chicken and it's not pizza. It's Chizza. It's a brand-new menu item from KFC combining two 100% white meat extra crispy fried chicken fillets topped with marinara sauce, mozzarella cheese, and pepperoni. The item became available in the U.S. starting this week. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. You're listening to News Nation
5: on the go. Available 24 7 in the News Nation app. Or just say, Alexa, play News
8: Nation. Spectrum Business is made to work like your small business. Made to do it all with fast, ultra reliable internet, phone, and mobile services. And made to work with a small business budget. Get 600 megabit per second business internet for just $49.99 a month for one year with select bundles. Plus, get an unlimited mobile line for free. Visit Spectrum.com slash work to lock in this deal now. Learn more at Spectrum.com slash work. Restrictions apply. Service is not available in all areas.
7: Peace. It's humanity's ultimate goal, but it seems so far away. Dr. Gary Probst here with a thought about your own personal peace from one of our great modern psychologists in just a moment.
8: If you've got a property that you've been trying to sell and you've tried almost everything, I want to tell you about something that you haven't tried yet. Thousands of customers have sold their homes in any condition with need to sell my home. Did you know it's possible to sell your home right over the phone with no real estate commissions and no pesky open houses? 800-431-9667. That's 800-431-9667. 431-9667. It was Dr. Wayne Dyer
7: who said that peace is the result of retraining your mind to process life as it is rather than how you think it should be. Finding peace means adaptation. We all have challenges. We all feel pain. But how we deal with it can mean misery Or happiness. Dr. Dyer grew up in foster homes and orphanages. He overcame addiction and found a sense of peace from the study of spirituality. He went on to write more than 40 books, many of them bestsellers, and he gave hope to many. You can overcome the difficulties of your life. You just have to be determined and know that finding peace is hard work. But if you change your reaction to problems, you may just allow peace to be a part of your life. So seek peace by changing your thoughts.
1: It's so an organized theft ring in Oakland, California, stealing the cash registers. What you're looking at on your screen is just some of the organized shoplifting rings we've reported on for years. As you can see, the video fills the screen over and over and over again. There is not a shortage of people looting. Gangs that come into stores, big and small, everything from the Apple store to Nordstrom's, to everything else. We'll put the video back up just so you can see how much of it there is. Retail stores have actually fired employees for trying to stop them. All while stores are losing billions upon billions upon billions of dollars. And remember, those billions upon billions of billions of dollars end up getting charged to us, the consumers, because when the stores lose all that merchandise, well, they charge us more. The FBI... Finally decided to get on this case, and they put out a warning on Twitter about organized crime and organized retail theft. This was the picture they chose to put on Twitter. They didn't choose any of the thousands of videos we actually have of people engaged in organized retail theft, the thing they were warning about. They chose a stock image of two white sorority girls. And if you look really carefully, you can see the one in the gray trench coat allegedly putting a purse into her trench coat. Former FBI Special Agent Thomas Baker is here, author of the book Fall of the FBI. Uh, Mr. Baker, how is it that the FBI is supposed to catch criminals if they're afraid to put their faces on Twitter?
2: Leland, this is an example, a continuing example and a very graphic one of the danger of the woke culture today and the woke culture that has permeated the FBI, uh, beginning under Mueller and continuing under the disastrous leadership of James Comey. I mean, it's, 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 it would be a joke and be funny, except it's not
1: funny. Uh, why why the, do you say you say people, it's not funny we, we this is the tweet Americans learn what the FBI does to combat these crimes on the federal level to protect shoppers across the country is the tweet um, you say it would be a joke it's not funny it's not funny why isn't it funny well. The merchants
2: who are being robbed and vandalized by mobs in, in their in their hoods and everything else are not represent. These two young, well-dressed women are not representative of the kinds of mobs that are attacking this, these stores in every big city in America today and actually putting a lot of people out of business. And it's a fear of offense offending people that causes the FBI to pull out some the stock photo of two very well dressed young women. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And last I looked there were over six thousand comments on this tweet on the yeah. FBI's yeah. official website and almost every one of them thinks this
1: is ridiculous. Uh well, it's wait, not to, be, to be fair to be fair, we, we asked the FBI for comment. We asked them why they chose this photo. We asked them uh, if they had ever uh, busted an organized theft ring of people who looked like this. We had a whole, we had a whole lot of questions, and none of which they were interested in a- answering. They didn't, didn't get back to us, uh, ghosted us in the words of uh, one of our producers. Um, I think about this sort of dystopian reality, right, we're living in. Uh, girls can be boys. Uh, the founding fathers, according to Google AI, are black. Uh, organized retail theft is done by white sorority girls on and on and on. It's one thing for that to be part of the culture. Fine. I'm wondering if it actually permeates beyond the FBI's PR team that runs their Twitter account into law enforcement that the FBI is supposed to carry out.
2: Absolutely, Leland. And and this is the problem. And this is the problem I and others are writing about. Uh, This this Particular instance, it maybe is not that dangerous and it's almost laughable because nobody believes that these two young girls are, are representative of right. that problem. But another example that came up in recent months is the FBI's. A- uh, analysts, these woke analysts, came up with this scheme to target traditional Catholics, seeing them as a problem. And of course, they're not. They're not the problem. They're not a problem. And there's no legitimate reason for targeting them. But this is one of many manifestations that are coming forward of the woke mindset, with so, so these th- intelligent. Th- th- th-
1: th- We had we had this situation, right? Uh, There there was a time that the under J. Edgar Hoover, the FBI had other problems than it does right now. Uh, Is it possible to bring it back? You talked about Mueller and Comey, who were more politicians than they were law enforcement agents. Um, I I would put Louis Free in the in the sort of the the old world of of a of an FBI agent's agent. Uh, But now you go you go through Mueller, you go through Comey. Now now you have Ray. Does Ray seem to have any interest in changing this?
2: Well, so far he seems not to recognize the problem. Every time one of these problems come to the fore, his response is, "Well, those people are no longer with us. We got rid of the bad apples." But there's an underlying cultural problem that started with Mueller and then Comey. Uh, and you're right to exclude Louis Free, because Louis Free was of the old school. The old school, when agents ran the shop, and where we were trained and we followed the Constitution. There's a lack of attention to the Constitution. Hmm. People are imposing their own political viewpoints on th- in, in the in the mix here.
1: And the culture has That's to good. be addressed. Yes, it's very scary. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, and it's, it's terrifying. Re- it's, too, it's, ter- it's, ter- it's, ter- it's one thing when people sort of have a political view uh, and they run retail stores and say not to chase criminals. It's another thing when the guys with the badges... Um, have the agenda, which, as you point out, um, some of them do. Uh, good to see you, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you. Speaking of the thank FBI... You, yeah, thank you. Speaking of the FBI and justice, there's an old saying, justice delayed is justice denied, but justice in a way is finally coming for Monica Lewinsky, all of you 1990s fans. She now has her own clothing line from a brand called Reformation, and she's going to focus uh, evidently, on workwear. As people have pointed out, at 50 years old, Monica looks better than ever. And her clothing line is going to partner with Vote.org. It's titled You've Got the Power, a far cry, literally, from when she was known as then President Bill Clinton's girlfriend.
4: But I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I
2: did not have sexual relations with that woman, Ms.
0: Lewinsky.
1: It started, of course, with the denial, but we can never forget what Hillary Clinton did to Monica Lewinsky, nor what Bill Clinton's supporters in the liberal movement did to Monica Lewinsky. Looking back, we can agree few people have been treated more unfairly in the past 30 years than Lewinsky. She was vilified by the left and exploited by the right. She became a punchline of late night jokes. In fact, she was preyed upon by the president of the United States. Even in the age of Me Too, the left still doesn't treat her like the victim she was. And she actually was a real victim. But finally now, at 50 years old, Monica Lewinsky has justice, or at least her very own clothing line. Coming up next, ice cream makes everybody happy, including evidently President Biden. What the president was really saying when he promised Israel and Hamas, well, would make a deal.
4: My national security advisor tells me that we're close, we're close, we're not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday, we'll have a ceasefire. when you think that
2: ceasefire will start,
0: sir? Well, I hope by the, the beginning of the weekend, I mean the end of the weekend. At least my, my, my national security advisor tells me that we're close, we're close, we're
4: not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday, we'll have a ceasefire.
1: All right. While eating ice cream with late night host Seth Meyers. Biden casually dropped that he hoped for an Israeli Hamas ceasefire by next week. Call it mint chip diplomacy. Body language expert Patty Wood is with us. All right, Patty. I mean, everybody's hopeful, right? When you're eating ice cream, everybody's excited and hopeful. But what, what was the president really what was the president really telling us?
6: Well, you know, you, it's created a gotcha moment for him because eating body language is joyous, buoyant, it makes you smile, it's silly, and he's stuck with an ice cream cone in his hand yeah. and he's asking, ask about a ceasefire in Gaza. So his body language naturally does not match that question, that the seriousness, the gravitas of that. So they created that moment for him, but he does subdue his body language as he's asked the question. What I liked, what made me feel safe about his answer, safe about the situation, is he answered calmly and matter-of-factly, hmm. uh, with a certain level of um, confidence in it. Uh, and that voice, the paralanguage cues, that matched the question in a way that showed authentic Belief that it can happen, that the ceasefire can happen. Hmm. It looked crazy because he's got an ice cream cone yeah. in his hand.
1: Well, look, we, look. We've obviously followed the president's um, issues when it comes to speaking extemporaneously and in these moments over the past couple of years, and we've seen him have some hard times. You and I have talked about him. He was actually sort of at his best at this moment, and I think what what struck me, and I'll we'll play the clip, uh, you know, without the sound again, but. He sort of started to answer, and then he kind of stopped himself, and then he restarted. Was that authentic, or did he have the second part of that answer pre-planned?
6: Well, part of that is he's had a stutter since he was a small child. And so sometimes people with a stutter have learned to start again, to get, get clearly mm. through a statement. But also, I think it was that switch. He wanted to make that switch of, I was just asked a question about something Incredibly serious. I want to make sure I match that. I come to that right. place of seriousness in his demeanor. So, so he was. I didn't feel like only, it was a. I, he was puzzled or right. searching for yeah. no, the right answer. I didn't see any of that. the stuttering. Uh, yeah.
1: You almost think it if they put him in more situations like that, he he would he would do better. Um, he was on Seth Meyers' show as yes. well. Um, it's kind of an odd place to talk about. Israel, Hamas and and do that rather than, say, from the Rose Garden or, you know, talking to reporters, boarding Marine One or whatever. But that's where that's where he chose to do it. Uh, Here he is talking about uh, Israel, which obviously he has a big problem with when it comes to Arab Americans. He's trying to put a lot of pressure on Israel. Uh, Here he is. Take a listen.
4: Israel has had the overwhelming support of the vast majority of nations. If it keeps this up without this incredibly conservative government
1: they have, they're going to lose support from around the world. How does he look so different there than he did in the ice cream shop?
6: Well, I think here he's doing this gesture that I think is meaningful. He is holding his hands in a a slight grasp, palms down, because he, in this moment, is being asked, if, can he calm down this situation in Gaza? Can he make Israel make the right decisions? So he's holding that down. And as he's further into this statement, you actually see him make a patting down motion as he talks about the situation. Um, mm. I kind of like that. It makes me feel like he's in control of the situation. He's not flailing his arms out like this. Um, so there's I'm another like politician also, who like, kind of yeah,
1: does that, no. isn't there? Pardon kind me? of flails their arms. There's another politician that kind of flails their arms. I, like, I wonder like, why like they that. came
6: to my mind this evening. I don't. I
1: don't know. I don't know. But we're not going <laughs> to talk about him. We're going to talk about Nikki Haley, in, in, and she keeps getting asked in every every interview. I asked her, everybody, guys, what's your path? Are you going to stay in? There's the primary in Michigan tonight. She's going to almost certainly get uh, trounced in that. Uh, then comes Super Tuesday, and she was asked, Are you going to stay in? after super tuesday take a listen
5: i can tell you that we raised a million dollars in twenty four hours after the election in south carolina that we are continuing to see the dollars come in because americans want a voice and we're giving them that voice and as long as americans want me to be that voice i will continue to fight for them as long as we think that there's an option we're going to keep on doing it.
1: what do you think
6: um, it looks on and here here's why because in reality She is holding her from the shoulder down to the elbow, tight to her side in a freeze response. That's a stress response. That's fear. But she's trying to cover it by gesturing from here. So it looks absurd and it looks unnatural. And you can tell because of the combination of fear close to the body and the flailing gestures and even the circling that, She's scared and really kind of looks like she's trying to get out of quicksand, which is that question to her. Can I get out of this situation? Body language Hmm. is beautifully symbolic. It just shows up every time.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about the times that I've interviewed her um, and sort of how her body language has changed. Uh, When you when you watch, especially and you and you compare and you contrast, say, Joe Biden, Nikki Haley. Haley seems, in a way, a little bit more scripted. Is that sort of what we, we get from, from watching her? Yes. Um, I also see,
6: before she seemed, um, when we've done debate analysis of her body language together on the show, more animated, more enthusiastic, and there was mm-hmm. um, more, even her face, the, the muscles in her face were more buoyant and up. And here you see, you look at the face, it's almost frozen and downward. So she's feeling very differently than she did before. It's very
1: clear. Interesting. Yeah, no, it, 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 whenever I've interviewed her, there's, been, there's sort of different sides to her based on how um, you ask the question. All right, Patty, it's always fun. Thank you. We'll see you soon, all right? Great to be on. Yep, you too. Coming up next, must-see TV, the new proof Trump prosecutor Fonnie Willis may have lied about her affair. How much misconduct is too much? And can a lying prosecutor ever be trusted? Things in Fulton County, Georgia, are now stranger than strange. That is the divorce attorney for one of the prosecutors going after Trump. Yes, the divorce attorney of one of the prosecutors is now on the stand answering questions about the affair between the two prosecutors. Nathan Wade and Fannie Willis, the district attorney prosecuting Trump. Willis hired Wade as the special prosecutor, paid him about $650,000 of taxpayers' money. Trump's attorneys and some of the co-defendants in the Georgia case claim that at some point the two started sleeping together. They, They definitely started sleeping together. Everybody knows that. The issue is whether they lied under oath about it, and now Trump's lawyers want them thrown off the case. Shandell Summer, former assistant DA and Georgia public defender, is here. It's good to see you, as always. Thank you. Good to see you, Leland. Um, Am I wrong, or does this just keep making Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade look worse?
5: It definitely makes them look like they're trying to cover up an affair that began long before he was... Drafted to be the special prosecutor in this case. And the reason that's important is because they both got up and gave a specific timeline for when the affair began. And you've had two witnesses now who've come in and pretty much blown that idea out of the water. The first witness testified that Bonnie Willis um, had been involved with Nathan Wade uh, since she rented her condo, which was early 2021. The relevant timeframe is... November of 2021, when Nathan Wade was hired on the case. Right. So she put the affair back that far. And then Terrence Bradley, who was formerly Nathan Wade's law partner and represented him in, a, in his divorce, had sent a bunch of text messages to the attorney for one of the defendants. And in those text messages, he's answering all sorts of questions about when the affair began. And he's very clear about when it began. It began in 2019. So that was a, a very interesting right, development. It's, very, it's
1: really, yeah, it's, it's very different, right, beginning an affair at the office after someone's, you know, you're working together, then hiring the person you're having the affair with using taxpayer money. And the worst of all is, is lying about it under oath. And look, let's listen to, and I think you rightly pointed out that Trump's attorney did one of the best jobs today um, in his examination. So this is Bradley and Trump's attorney. Take a listen. I'm asking you how did you know that
5: how did I know somebody when they met told,
0: somebody told you that right when they met yeah yes correct who told you Mr Wade told me when they met
4: so you had more than one conversation about the relationship between Mr Wade and Miss Willis because he told you where he met her
0: that's correct incorrect it's incorrect it's incorrect
1: but- This is what I can't figure out, okay? These are prosecutors. Forget him. We're talking about Wade and Fawny. They're prosecutors. They do this as a job. They catch people lying. Rule number one, don't lie and make it worse, and it appears as though they broke that rule. Why?
5: Well, Mr. Bradley, I don't even understand why the district attorney's office didn't cross-examine Mr. Bradley after the defense shredded him. Uh, because they could have easily come in and said that there was bad blood between Nathan Wade and Terrence Bradley. And so he had a motive to try and um, hurt him by sending these text messages to Ashley Merchant. But the state didn't do anything after the defense really resoundingly proved that Terrence Bradley wow. was evasive and um, basically would not answer the questions. Do I
1: have I mean, just in terms of not cross examining do I have it right that the judge in this case gave a campaign contribution to Fonnie Willis?
5: He may have done that. That's that's not a disqualification to give a campaign contribution to someone. Okay. In fact, I think Ashley Merchant gave a, a campaign contribution to Nathan Wade. But the judge in this case did an excellent job today. Of yeah, he's really been
1: very good. Very,
5: narrowing very
1: good. the issues. Absolutely. The judge has been the star. Um, he seems fair. He seems like he's searching for the truth, which... Um, Used to matter. Hopefully, it does now as well. Uh, good to see, you, yes. as always, Shandel. Thank you. Thank you, Leyland. Here's a challenge for you. How do you end spring break? Seriously, Miami Beach wants to say so long to the crowds and craziness of spring break. Well, the college kids listen.
0: And shutting the door on spring
1: break once and for
0: all. There's a recognition. That This is not a one off. Miami Beach isn't just saying, oh, my God, we have a problem. Yes, we have a problem and we're going to fix it. And we have full buy in.
1: There will be no fun of any kind. So says Miami Beach's commissioner and mayor. So long to spring break. They're done. They say years of bad behavior, all the huge crowds, all the mess, two deadly shootings during one weekend last year. Kids hopping up on parked cars. Spring break in 2023, the kids took over Ocean Drive and South Beach. Two people were shot, one died. Nine people were shot in Hollywood, Florida on Memorial Day. And the cities have said they're, they've had enough. Fort Lauderdale is going to charge $100 for parking. Miami Beach is going to close their parking garages altogether. Philip Levine, former mayor of Miami Beach, is here. Look, I understand why Miami Beach wants to do this. Is there any chance the college kids are going to listen?
0: No question about it. Miami Beach is doing all the right things, and this new mayor is a law-and-order mayor. His name is Stephen Minor. The fact of the matter is, Miami Beach has changed. Miami Beach is not a spring break place. Miami Beach is the capital of culture. We have Art Basel. We have incredible historic Art Deco to look at. We do not want to be the party-crazy capital. When you think, Maylan, of what's happening in American cities, Chicago, New York, Look at the chaos, San Francisco. We do not want to be them, and we're doing everything we can to not be them. They used to call Miami Beach the sixth borough of New York, and that was a compliment. Today, that's a horrible insult. We do not want to be the sixth borough. We want to be a clean, safe city.
1: All right, fair enough. Uh, this is some of the local businesses and how they feel. Take a listen. You push
2: them here, at the point of- it pops out there. You shut down the town. It's like that's when they get mad. And that's when stuff happens. They spent money. They're coming here. Now you're going to what are you going to do? You're going to create the chaos.
1: To be fair, how do you separate? Right. Because there's a lot of people who are going to come to hotels and spend money. You can't just shut down Miami Beach. It, it by definition makes means making some decisions about who gets to come into Miami Beach, who doesn't. You know, people are going to say, oh, it's racist. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that.
0: Yeah, Lena. let me tell you something. You're always going to find the vested interest, the bar owner, the club owner, the folks that create the chaos on Ocean Drive. They'd be happy to speak and continue this mess. But let me tell you, the people that are investing big money in this city, the people that are paying huge real estate taxes, the families that are living on Miami Beach, they want this gone. So you're always going to have those kind of voices. And guess what? We're pushing them out. We'll push them back to Fort Lauderdale. We'll push them up to Daytona Beach. Matter of fact, what we'd like to do is push them back to the cities that they came from. We want a different type of tourist in Miami Beach. We want a peaceful tourist, a tourist that actually stays at the hotels and not six to a room. We want folks that don't bring guns. We want people that don't drink on the streets. We want a different class of tourists and that's what this city is gonna do.
1: You know, Mayor, I'm smiling because there's a few politicians left who give their customers, meaning the voters, actually what they want. Um, And you are among that among that group. It is good to see you as always. We appreciate it. Uh, I know you've got more free time coming up. We're looking forward to having you on the show more often. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's always fun. It's always fun to chat. All right. Now time for some of your thoughts. Scott replied to War Notes, our newsletter. When will folks start facing the real elephant in the room, which is the death of the Republican Party and the quickly declining Democrats, seemingly on life support. Both parties, thanks to extremist ideologies, we need to start rebuilding something that looks like mainstream America. Well, Scott, that actually starts right here. And it starts with you, Scott. It starts with all of you watching. You're watching a cable network that doesn't take sides. We cover both sides fairly. We cover both sides aggressively. That's necessary to bring the country back together when everyone's just listening to their side and their side always being right is how we get the extremes. Maxine replied to War Notes, my husband and I watch On Balance every night. Thank you. We started watching after October 7th, Encourage both our friends and family to do the same. We love your unbiased coverage. Why have you not been covering the Israeli war after you return from South Carolina? Please keep us up to date on the Mideast conflict. Thanks, Maxine. We appreciate your support. We do cover Israel's war with Gaza. As news warrants, we did today, President Biden talking about a ceasefire. That seems far-fetched. We certainly covered it yesterday with the push by Arab Americans to vote uncommitted in Michigan's Democratic primary. They're protesting President Biden's support of Israel. We're going to let you know how uncommitted did on the ballot tomorrow. Harry replied to War Notes last Thursday before the South Carolina primary, saying would it be possible for Nikki Haley to attend the Republican convention and have her team lobby for state's delegates? News Nation has one heck of a network. Excellent commentators, anchors, and journalists keep up the good work. Harry, we appreciate it. Please tell your friends about War Notes. Tell your friends about News Nation and what we're doing here. That's the biggest compliment you can give us and keeps us employed because when more people watch, the ratings go up. And to answer your question, anything is possible. Remember, delegates are pledged on the first ballot. That brokered convention, that thing that every journalist talks about every year, would come after that. But stay tuned. It's 2024. Anything is possible. Roger emailed and said, Leland, how do you do your segment with Berman? You're in D.C. and he's in New York. I'm pretty sure you don't fly back and forth. And I'm pretty sure it's done digital A.I. or something else. Roger, with that, welcome to the plush but not overly ostentatious Studio 3 at News Nation here in Washington. It is now 58 minutes past the hour. We do this live every night. Blake sits in a chair right there, and we change the graphics that are behind us between the Hill and on balance. As proof, Blake and I held up today's newspaper just a few hours ago. That is today's newspaper. We were here together. It happens every night. In response to Instagram, we've talked a lot about Alabama and the IVF decision, how terrible it was for Republicans. As someone who would love to be a mother and would consider IVF if necessary, life does begin at conception. Any patient undergoing IVF care can instruct the doctor to only fertilize a certain number of eggs. Your opinion is very single-minded. The abortion issue is not merely about votes. It's also about morals, ethics, and principles. You're right. There is an awful lot to the conversation about IVF and one that involves a lot of morals and a lot of really personal and intimate conversations. It's interesting, even most Republican politicians don't want to have that conversation. As we've reported, and it happened very quickly, Republican politicians want IVF legal. They do not want to have this debate. That's what we will cover. We'll leave the morals and principles up to you and your family to decide yourself. We invite you to sign up to War Notes. You can reply, as you can tell. We read all the responses. Gives you a free look at the show every day at 4 p.m. You go to warnotes.com and subscribe. You can also follow us at Leland Vitter on Instagram and on Twitter. I'll see you back here tomorrow night. Senator from Nebraska Pete Ricketts is with us about the immigration debate. Will it ever change? Here's Chris.
0: Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Cuomo. So who came out and who did not come out and why in Michigan's big time primary? Right. That's a swing state. Any way you look at it. The polls are closing now. They all close at nine o'clock. Uh, so we're going to be getting the results on our watch. When we get them, we'll give them to you. What are the key questions? Was Biden punished by the outsized Arab population there for supporting Israel? Does that matter if he was? Is there any stopping the Trump train? Tonight is going to show if Haley is a real alternative where it matters for the GOP. Again, when I get the results, I'll give them right to you. I promise. Then we're going to take a deeper look at what may decide the race. We got one of President Biden's closest confidants.